Happy Sunday fun day, everyone out there. I am currently a little sad, not going to lie. I was supposed to do a podcast with my good buddy Morris, but his company has some IT problems, supposedly. I'm a little, I'm a little distrusting, but he did call me and he sounded, he, he sounded panicked in his voice and he's not that good an actor, so I, I buy it. So if he needs to fix his company for 48 hours, so be it. So we were going to talk about the Lions and, you know, that's not really a topic that I particularly enjoy, but being a Patriots fan, it was like having a Michelin restaurant critic or view McDonald's. But you know what? I, I warmed up to it and I started doing some research and I got some good facts and some just humiliating statistics for him and just a kind of just a scathing review of his life as a Lions fan. It would have been fun. Would have been a nice bounce back and forth, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Don't you worry. And one day we'll do a Patriots one too. And I don't know how he would make fun of me because six Super Bowls, you know, nine, nine trips there, 20 seasons with over with double digit wins. Now I do, well, I'm getting defensive about it. I don't, I don't need to be defensive I'm with Patriots. We won six Super Bowls. I don't need to say anything else. Mic drop. So I kind of had to scramble for a topic yet again, but guess what? That's improv. That's adaptation. That's, you know, thinking on your feet. So I was thinking, what's the strangest kind of eclectic thing I could, uh, I could, uh, grab, get my paws on. And when I was using the bathroom, like three, four hours ago, you know, I was just goofing off on my phone. And for some reason I got lost in a Nicolas Cage black hole. I was just curious because I knew he had gone broke like 10 years ago and lost like $150, $200 million. And I want to know what his net worth was nowadays. I don't know why that interests me, but we've all done it. We've all looked up the person and you're like, I wonder, wonder what he's worth. And so I started clicking on what he spent all his money on, how did he lose everything. And Nicolas Cage owned 15 residences. Uh, one was a $25 million waterfront home in Newport Beach, California. He had like a $10 million Vegas home. He had the most haunted uh, mansion in Louisiana for like $4 million. He had two castles in, uh, in, in Europe. He had a island in the Bahamas. He had a nine-foot burial tomb. And he had a $275,000... Uh, T-Rex skull that he outbid Leonardo DiCaprio for that later he had to give back because the Mongolian government just described it as being stolen. So just just weird stuff, like $150,000 for an octopus. I mean, I don't know whose octopus guy is, but I can get an octopus for like five bucks. So maybe this octopus was, I mean, I'm convinced octopuses are aliens because, you know, they can, they're just super smart. They can fit through, I think they can fit through holes the size of a quarter because, you know, they got no spinal system or, you know, bones and whatnot. And if one of their tentacles, you know, uh, falls off, they can grow another one. And they change colors, and they're way too smart, and they got those suction cups. There's just a lot going on. I don't, I don't see how God or Darwinism created that. Because that thing, that thing looks like it's from Venus. Or, yeah, definitely Venus. It's kind of got that green, kind of eerie, I was born in a toxic, smoky kind of area. So I wonder what he named his octopus. I want to say Cornelius. That seems like a Nicholas Cage drunk uh, <laughs> kind of uh, name association. 
And then as I started going into that, I was like, you know, let me check out his movies because Nick Cage has brought a lot of joy to a lot of people. And he's also brought a lot of bombs because actually this is how I got into this. I forgot at like three 30 in the morning last night, I was started watching ghost rider uh, on Netflix and it's terrible. It's really bad. It's 2007. It's right before the Marvel kind of superhero Iron Man uh, Avengers catalog exploded in 2008. And the CGI is terrible. The acting's heinous. I mean, he's literally, he's just a motorcycle riding kind of daredevil who makes a deal with the devil to save his dad from cancer and then his dad dies two seconds later in a fiery crash anyways and then later he has to work for the devil to stop people who are stop other demons who are battling the devil for weird satanic stuff and he's a flaming skull in a leather jacket driving a giant monster bike and it's as ridiculous as it sounds you're laughing the whole time you're not supposed to be laughing but i mean they made a sequel so i mean clearly they did okay at least i'm definitely gonna watch the rest of it and I'm definitely going to watch the sequel. So it's silly. It's fun. It's campy. It's Nick Cage. But Nick Cage is a serious actor, too. And he won a freaking Oscar in, I think, 94. No, 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 95 for Leaving Las Vegas. Never saw it. But it's about a dude who is going to kill himself by overdrinking. And he hires a lady of the night to stay with him while he's doing this. And I think halfway through, he decides he wants to live or something. I don't. I don't know, just one of those depressing Oscar bait movies, but he won and that can never be taken away from him. But he also has 105 other movie credits and it's like, good God, I thought I knew most of Nick Cage's catalog. I might know 18 to 25% of it and I'm very ashamed because I thought I was a Nick Cage junkie, but there's just a lot of stuff on here. Like he has nine movies right now in pre-production and post-production that aren't out. (coughs) Excuse me. Almonds are going down the wrong pipe. (coughs) Mm, That's good radio. Whoa. Almond dust. Breathe it out. (laughs) That's a first and hopefully a last. But yeah, he's got like a ton of movies that are in pre and post production. In 2019, he did 10 movies of which I know none. I mean, do you know any movies called Grand Isle or Primal or Kill Chain? Running with the Devil, Color Out of Space, A Score to Settle. I don't know any of these things. I mean, the only things I know from even 2018 are his voice work, where he did uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, when he was noir Spider-Man, kind of like a 1920s cop, like cop story uh, Spider-Man. And he's funny. He's got a good voice, actually. You wouldn't think of Nicolas Cage doing voice work, but it's, it works. But let's go back to the beginning. So first of all, he's Francis Ford Coppola's nephew and i found that out a few years ago i thought it was really cool i mean good for him for not cashing in on the family name i mean your uncle made the godfather and you're not trying to piggyback on his fame i respect that plus nicholas cage great name i mean it just fits him he just looks like a nick cage he's like overly confident kind of in that ron burgundy over kind of just over estimates how his uh general brain pan and how much how, how much iq he's really got going and just it fits him like a glove so i didn't know he was in fast time at richmond high so if you knew that you're better nick cage fan than i am and a bunch of movies never really heard of and then 87 88 
Moonstruck and uh, Raising Arizona. And I saw Raising Arizona for the first time like six months ago because going through a Coen Brothers kick, as you know, 30 to 40 year old white guys do at some point, they're just like, oh, I got to go through the catalog. You know, I know it's the great stuff. So, so I was ripping through it and really funny satire about kind of lower class to middle class uh, kind of hell and kind of making a joke of how it's hard to jump into any other socioeconomic class, but in a really dark kind of strange way where they steal a baby from a rich family and they're chased by a Mad Max level badass guy on a chopper who's got grenades and is grizzled and just just terrifying. So, I mean, that that's actually a movie. And his name is H.I. McDonough. He's high. So that's just the kind of movie you're getting. Really fun. Moonstruck, never saw, but I heard Cher was great in it. I know the line when he's in love with her and she's like, snap out of it. And everyone everyone likes that. And I think she won uh, an Oscar for that too. So he's close to Oscar gold again. Does a bunch of stuff never heard of. I mean, if you heard Wild at Heart, Freebird, Firebirds, Honeymoon in Vegas, Deadfall, none of this stuff. It just sounds like schlocky early 90s stuff. He's just going through the motions. And then I remember my family saw It Could Happen to You. Really cute. He's a cop who promises a waitress he'll split his uh, lottery ticket winnings with her because he didn't have money for a tip. And he obviously wins the lottery and he splits $4 million with her. But he's got a wife who's like the worst uh, wet blanket movie wife ever. It's Rosie Perez being seriously Rosie Perez. Just that annoying voice, high pitched, and you know, she's just a money grubber. And Nick Cage, you know, I didn't know he had this level, but he's kind of a sweet, softy, nice guy cop. And him and Bridget Fonda, who's the uh, waitress, just seem kind of like a nice, sweet couple, and it just works. So, really sweet, melts, your, melts in your mouth kind of movie. Definitely see it with your girlfriend, and you know, you'll be. You'll be happy you did because you, know, you leave a, you leave it smiling and you just, you just have the same tone of voice. You just go, that's good. That's good. And you're just like, hmm, there's, there's faith in the world. I have faith in people because who would give up $2 million if they didn't have to? And he did. And that was before, you know, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook where he'd be blown up. I mean, there was some normal media on it, but he, he still did it. So good for Charlie Lang and good for good for Nicolas Cage and his career because I think this movie did well, actually. I know Roger Ebert gave it three and a half stars because I stocked it a little bit afterwards. So if Roger's giving you those those props in ninety four, you're you're gonna do well in the theaters. And then Kiss of Death, never saw, heard it was good. Leaving Las Vegas, bam, he wins an Oscar. So good for him. And then he pulls off the greatest three movie run in cinematic history. Let me repeat that. The greatest, undisputed three-movie run in cinema history for a plethora of reasons. First of all, after an Oscar, you know, what do you do? You do what you, you, do what you dream. You make your dreams come true because you can pick anything. That's, you know, you're the, you're the it guy in uh, Hollywood. And what does Nick Cage do? He taps into his seven-year-old boy uh, soul and wants to do badass action movies and he just rips off three of the greatest action movies in a row and i've never seen anything like it It, i mean they're different characters too it's the rock as stanley goodspeed it's con air as cameron poe and face off as caster troy and just 
fantastic names too. The key to a good action movie, you need your hero and your villain to have just these unforgettable names. And he just, Caster Troy, mm, give me that all day. I named my first burn Caster Troy. Although he, he wasn't actually the most sanctimonious of dudes. So he was the villain in that one. So maybe not. Cause if I had to show my kid that movie and say like, this is who you're named after things might go a little bit off kilter, but anyways, so the rock him and he's a chemist who's hanging out with Sean Connery, who's a prison escape artist. And they're breaking back into Alcatraz to stop Ed Harris as a general who's gonna, who's who's, holding 81 hostages with VX poison gas uh, missiles pointed at football stadiums because he wants a million dollars. He wants a hundred million dollars, 27 of which would go to the funds of people who died under his command, who are like disavowed because it was too secret and then 80 or 73 million to him and his men. He's got like 30 Marines with him, And it is as cool as it sounds. I mean, there's guys faces melting off because of the VX gas, uh, Nicolas Cage is playing a guitar naked while getting it on with his wife on top of a roof. It's like, it's, I mean, Sean Connery's going through fiery bowels of Alcatraz and there's just a lot of gunfire and a lot of sneaking and breaking in. It's, it, I mean, it's top five. Uh, actually, I mean, these are all top five. These are, I mean, think about that. These are three of the best five action movies ever created and he did them in a row after winning an oscar i mean that takes that takes a certain person up oh, there the dogs go see the dogs are fired up yep see i have two giant newfoundlands and they're they're pumped up that they're, they're action they're action junkies they like it or there's a squirrel outside either one either one nick cage or a squirrel take your pick but then con air where he's a convict who accidentally up oh, they're still going, who accidentally murdered a guy outside of a bar and did eight years and is finally getting out, but he gets caught on a plane heist from the worst criminals in the world. And it's John Malkovich and it's Steve Buscemi as like a Hannibal Lecter. And John Malkovich is like called Cyrus the Virus and he's just done everything. He's just, I think he's killed 11 inmates while he's in custody and he's escaped three times. And you got Ving Rhames and I mean, just, just a violent fun movie where they land the plane on the Las Vegas strip at the end. And that's the, that's not even that the most crazy part of the movie. I mean, that's, that's where we're at with Con Air. And then face off probably the craziest premise of all of them where an FBI agent and uh, a international, you know, assassin have to trade faces so that the FBI agent can get the location of the villain's bomb. And then the, the villain wakes up, Caster Troy, with no face, and he gets to put on John Travolta's face. And actually, I was really surprised. John Travolta goes toe to toe with Nicolas Cage in this. They're both fantastic, as good and bad guys. I like them both evil better. They're both better. Caster Troy's a better part. Sean Archer, the FBI agent, is kind of a wet blanket, kind of, you know, doesn't really, doesn't have any passion with his wife. I mean, their son. Caster Troy murdered their five-year-old son. So there's a reason he's got a sourpuss on. I mean, I get it. But, you know, you got to move on with life. And you got to enjoy your wife and, you know, bond with your daughter. And he just buried himself in his work. And just, you don't do that. But he learns by the end of it. You know, he learns a lesson that family's more important. So that's good. And that movie's crazy. And there's a giant boat, a cigarette boat fight scene where they're going like 90 miles an hour and jumping from boat to boat. So that's just, 
and there's gold guns and there's a bunch of drugs and they say uh they say the words face off like 37 times so that's you always love when you hear the when you hear the title of a movie in the movie i mean family guy did a whole thing about it where when peter does hears that on the screen he's like ah 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 and so that's what i did every time i saw it and i've seen that movie probably 37 times then he does city of angels where he's an angel who falls from heaven to be with meg ryan who's a surgeon typical sad like romeo and juliet uh like tragic love story because she i mean that's a sad good god don't see this movie if you don't like crying and feeling depressed because he falls from heaven to be with her he he's you know, some people don't even stop doing a job or move across town to be with a girl. And this guy stops being an angel. He falls from heaven to be with her. And she, like a dope, is riding her bike. And she's so happy that he fell from heaven for her. She's closing her eyes and she's her arms out. And bam, she gets hit by a truck full of uh, lumber. Classic. I mean, you should, I mean, they, you saw it coming for like 20 seconds. And you're screaming at the screen like, no, please don't do this. But they do it, and it's sad. And it's a bummer. Although this movie did have the best soundtrack song ever, "Iris" by Goo Goo Dolls. That song, that song still slaps today. You put that on, try putting that on while you're running or working out. And I know it's kind of a slower song, but it still gets you fired up. So probably the best song for the worst movie in the history of cinema. I think like the contrast. And they did Snake Eyes, which was a Vegas murder mystery sleaze balls during a heavyweight fight in like the MGM should have been great. Preview looked awesome. Movie stunk really boring. It just, it didn't go anywhere and it was too clever for its own good. And just, yeah, nah, eight Miller, eight millimeter. didn't see heard it was good. It's about a, like a snuff film and Jocko and Phoenix was in it. And I hear it's really dark, but people I respect like Bill Simmons and Chris Ryan, they dig it. And they always laugh about it because it's a dark movie, but they enjoyed it. Bringing Out the Dead, I want to see. That's him in Scorsese. And he's like a, I think he's a guy on an ambulance. What's that called? An EMT who just uh, can't sleep and he's hallucinating and it's weird. And I remember the poster. It's like the hospital plus sign. It's Nicolas Cage's eyes, like bloodshot and dark red. And you're like, oh, this is going to be weird. And really not regarded as one of Scorsese's hits so I don't know I'm sure it's still good because I mean there's a bunch of Scorsese movies that are just fantastic that just don't like, can't talk about talked about like I want to see uh After Hours too I heard that was really good in the 80s that's like the lost film and then he does Gone in 60 Seconds as Memphis Reigns just stealing 50 cars in one night and he's got bleach blonde hair and Angelina Jolie's got dreads and Vinnie Jones is not talking and he's uh mortuary dude eating a sandwich off a dead guy there's just a lot going on in this movie and also uh, timothy oliphant and delroy lindon are cops chasing after him and there's black lights and there's nice cars and nicholas cage is listening to like little lowrider song and getting pumped up it's it's a fun ride if you didn't like gone in 60 seconds get the heck out of this podcast just stop right now and just go take a bath take a lukewarm bath and look at yourself in the mirror and be like, what am I doing wrong? Because you're doing something wrong. No, I mean, who doesn't like seeing celebrities kind of criminaled up in a fun way, stealing cars for one night? Even, uh, what's his name? The consigliere from, from uh, Godfather. Robert Duvall's in it. as like the old school car guy. And the guy who was, uh, 
the second in command on Armageddon was in it too. There's a lot of dudes in that movie. That movie rules. And also the principal from Boston Public, that TV show, the like big ball black dude. He was a guy at the DMV in this movie, and I enjoyed that. And then he does a bunch of crappy movies. Captain Coriolis, Mandolin, Wind Talkers. He's got a pension for some terribly named movies. This is probably when he's just taking paychecks. Or maybe not yet. I think, when, when did he go broke? He went broke in 2000 and I don't have the actual date. So I'm going to make it up. This is not, I think a little bit later. Because he's still got good roles coming up. So he did Adaptation where he played twins. Usually that doesn't work for me. But this is a Spike Jones movie, hyper weird. It's about like flowers and murder. And one twin is like a Woody Allen kind of neurotic. And the other guy's hyper confident and fun. And probably one of the best opening monologues ever when he's Charlie Kaufman. He's talking about being fat, and not confident. And he just, it's his like inner monologue of how he hates himself. And it's like, oh yeah, Nick Cage can act. He forgot. It's been a while since he really like put it towards uh, good use because he's got some chops when he wants to. And then Matchstick Men, didn't see it, heard it was great. Neurotic Thief, I think Sam Rockwell too. Seemed like a cool Ocean's Eleven kind of vibe movie. And then he hits the jackpot with National Treasure. And that was just a fun movie. I mean, that was like in the Indiana Jones, let's go on an adventure the world always has secrets. And don't tell me like the next time you went to DC, you didn't try to like knock on a brick or turn a clock a certain way and hope that, you know, a little clue was going to come out because he stole the declaration of independence and he found clues on it and they found a giant treasure and it was ridiculous and it was fun. And who didn't like national treasure? I've yet to meet someone. And his name was Benjamin Franklin Gates. What a great name. So it dad named him Benji Franks. Gates, too. I wonder if it was a Bill Gates thing. But who knows? And then after that, Lord of War, awesome movie, where he's a gun runner in, uh, like, third world countries, kind of arming the armies that are of warlords that are gonna, you know... So basically, the, he's arming the worst of the worst people to do the most heinous crimes, but he's making money and he's good at it. And he plays Yuri Orlov. And I guess he's a real guy, uh, or, or he's based on a real guy. And he's got the cool voiceover where... It's kind of like the Goodfellas voiceover where he's the smartest guy in the room. He, or in the same kind of vein as Fight Club, where he's, he knows what he's doing. He knows it's bad, but he's clever about it. He's fun. He's charming. And it's a rags to riches story and you're rooting for him the whole time until you're not, until the end. And he's got a good foil too, the FBI agent being Ethan Hawke. And great intro. They follow a bullet from production line into someone's head. So that's really cool via CGI. And the end was really cool, too, because he got arrested. Um, spoiler alert if you don't, didn't see it, but he gets arrested, and finally, you know, Ethan Hawke's going to have his day and be like, ha-ha, I got you. But he's like, listen, America's the biggest arms dealer in the world, and I have my fingerprints and evidence on a bunch of stuff you guys don't want to see. So they're going to walk in and tell, tell you that I need to leave and that you did a great job. And he's like, no, that's not true. And two seconds later, he he gets to go free. That's so cool when people are like, listen, this is how it's going to happen. And then it happens right then. I've always wanted to do that. How do, you, how do you do that though? I guess you need to be in a position of power though, where like you're almost prophetical or, you know, you're like Nostradamus predicting things. And then he does the weatherman world trade center, both bombs really. Then he does the wicker man, which 
I never saw, but I've seen the memes over and over. And I just remember bees. <laughs> he yells that he yells bees as he's getting stabbed to death by bees in a giant wicker man statue that gets burned as a sacrifice. And that's just crazy. <laughs> and you know, I mean like that's like if you get shot by a gun and you go bullet, like you say what's killing you. It's like you get stabbed by a knife. You go knife. That's just whoever wrote that. I mean, it's for Nicholas Cage because when you say bees like that, you can't help but giggle. And then he did Ghost Rider, like which was terrible. And it's weird. It's like he acts. He's a good actor, so I don't know why he just decides to turn it off sometimes. Maybe he's hungover or just lazy. But this is like the worst acting performance I've ever seen. It's amazing. This is the same guy that did adaptation or Lord of War or other movies where he really just kind of turns it up a notch and you can think he's a A-list actor. And in this one, he's just garbage. He's got fake hair, like a really bad wig. He's wearing all black and leather and he's just the ultimate, you know, biker dude. And I, I couldn't help but laugh for 90% of the movie. It's not a comedy. So then he does a bunch of junk. He does a lot of movies about like the future. He does one called Next, one called Knowing, Bangkok Dangerous. <laughs> I mean, who the who the hell titles these movies sometimes? Werewolf, Werewolf Women of the SS. Because, yeah, there's, I mean, that's a Grindhouse movie, though. So I think they're making fun or paying homage to the pulpy 70s uh, movies of the past. So maybe that, I'll let that one go. And then, what else is he in? Hold on, I'm missing one. Stalling, stalling, stalling. So he did Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, Port of Call, New Orleans. And apparently Roger Ebert gave this four stars. So I need to check this out because Roger doesn't throw around four stars that often. And I, I, the original Bad Lieutenant with Harvey Keitel is freaking awesome. So go see that. That's the ultimate early 90s badass movie. And then he does Kick-Ass, or and he plays Big Daddy. And that's an ultra-violent, ridiculous premise. That's the nice thing about Nick Cage. He's got a face and a mentality and a weird kind of sinewy athleticism that lends itself to these kind of absurdist, ultra-violent, B-level, campy action movies. And this one was done really well. It was kind of just an underdog story and just kind of made fun of the genre. And I guess it's based on comics too. So it had a good story to it. Mark Strong was in it as the bad guy. He's also the bad guy in, uh, what's it called? Words, words, they're coming. It's uh, the one with the one with Iron Man, but he's playing Sherlock Holmes. He's, he's, in the ba- he's in the bad guy in Sherlock Holmes too. There we go. Wow. Robert Downey Jr. That was the other name. But uh, yeah, definitely see Kick-Ass if you like violent movies, really fun. And then he does The Sorcerer's Apprentice, Drive Angry, Seeking Justice, Trespass. Like, what the hell? I mean, these are all in the same year, too. He plays guys. He plays a bunch of guys that don't even have last names. I've seen so far, he plays Joe in Bangkok Dangerous. He plays Milton in Drive Angry. In Season of the Witch, he plays Bayman. In The Sorcerer's Apprentice, he's Balthazar. I mean, they can't even give these guys last names. In this movie called The Ant Bully, he plays Zock. He's doing a lot of, I mean, man, he is on amphetamines or something because he is pounding out four or five. This is, okay, this is where he starts looking like he's broke. Like in 2006, he starts doing four movies a year at minimum and five in 2007 
And then, yeah, it keeps going like that. So I'm saying that's when he he realized he didn't have any money. And, or he, like a movie called The Cro- the Croods. He plays Grug. Like, what? You won an Oscar, man. <laughs> You're going to play Grug in The Croods? Like, I just, I mean, is LeBron James going to go play, you know, pick up ball at, at an elementary school? No. But you are for a paycheck, apparently. <laughs> There's a movie called Joe where he plays a guy named Joe. Like, what could that possibly be? Like, does he even look at the scripts or he's like, is the paycheck there? Are they going to pay me up front? Cool. I'm just enjoying reading these titles. I could do that all day. So he, Dog Eat Dog, he plays a guy named Troy. The Trust, he plays a guy named Stone. Because, yeah. Because, I mean, Nicholas Cage is Stone. In the movie called Outcast, he plays a guy called Galen. God, I, I wish I, I couldn't make up anything more more insane than this. He's, there's a movie called Vengeance, a, and he, a love story, and he plays a guy named John. Although I did like in 2016, uh, he played he played a small role as a CIA kind of higher up in Snowden, and I like that movie. It was good. Jordan Gordon Levitt, you know, with his squinty face playing uh, Snowden. Even though uh, Snowden, uh, Citizen Four, the actual documentary was fucking wild. So go see that. That's a better movie. But here's okay. So finally, 2018. He plays uh, Red Miller in this movie called Mandy. And if you haven't seen Mandy, dear God, it is the most unique, bizarre, peculiar, heavy metal, horror movie, acid trip you've ever seen. It's, he plays this dude who's a lumberjack, and this random cult of kind of uh, drugged out hippies comes by his house, and they like his wife. And they burn, for some reason, this cult burns his wife alive in front of him. And Nick, Nick Cage proceeds to, first of all, in his tidy whities in his shag-carpeted bathroom, drinks a liter of vodka while screaming into the void. And that, 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 that lasts for like a minute and a half. And it's actually really good acting, but it's, ins- I mean, you think that's insane. The rest of the movie is, there's just these wet, chainsaw holding demon guys on four wheelers that he has to murder violently while he's doing drugs and taking acid. There's tigers involved. There's knife fights. There's, I mean, there's facial changes. There's male nudity. And it's by this guy. It's by this guy named Panos Cosmatos, who's done one other movie eight years beforehand called Beyond the Black Rainbow. And then he did this. So in eighteen year in eight years, those are the only two movies he did, and it's I mean it's directed phenomenally. He looks like he could be a top ten director of all time. Like he's the music's just eerie, and Nicolas Cage is perfect. It's like a heavy metal album cover from the eighties come to life. That's what it is. That's what it feels like. And just wasn't expecting that. And out of nowhere, you know, Nicolas Cage is back, and then he does <laughs> movies called Looking Glass, where he's playing Ray. Have you heard of these? I've never heard of any of these. I mean, I could just, I, I could make one up. He made one called Bahamas, where he plays George. That one, no, but he, and he did play one where it's between worlds and he's Joe. I mean, Jesus. So he's got eight movies coming out in post-production and now he's worth $25 million, you know, and he earned it because, I mean, he's done a lot of movies recently. So that's, that's the history of Nick Cage. And I'm glad I kind of took a deep dive in it because 
I was curious about the most bizarre career in the history of acting, I think. I mean, who else has this kind of range? Who's doing like great rom-coms, Coen Brother movies, won an Oscar, did three of the best action movies ever, did 75 movies that you've never heard of, and is just keep churning them out. And can once in a while, you know, reach back and do a Lord of War, do an adaptation, or do a Mandy. I mean, my hat's off to you, Nick Cage, you beautiful, rubbery weirdo.